Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space. Today is, what, Thursday, December 12th. Uh, I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, on Deprogrammed uh, by the Bad Mamma Jamma, Carrie Smith. Carrie, speak. You might be muted. Ha, I'm, uh, I'm unmuted now. now. There you go. But I hear an but echo. I hear an echo on your end. You hear an echo. Try again. Mm-hmm. Speak more. Let's see. Let's see. It's still there. It's still there. That's weird because we just had a conversation beforehand and you didn't hear an echo. It only it's only happens when we go live. Oh, maybe uh are you playing? No, it's muted. Music? No. Um okay, I don't hear it anymore. All right, well. That's good. The Phantom Echo. Hey everyone. Uh we had an active Carrie, you don't know this because you were out, but we had an active chat already this morning. Oh, uh, I think- <laughs> My understanding, Lindsay Peterson is owed candy for reparations. So uh, if someone knows Piggy Pete's contact information, please reach out to him and uh, and tell him that Lindsay is owed some. Uh... Hey, I'm looking at Andrew saying it wouldn't be Carrie if she was on time. I take offense to this. I'm owed candy. No kidding. Actually, I, I agree. But I was at the vet. I have a good reason I was at the vet. And, um, and I'm, you all have a reason. I know, but I'm really, you. truly, this is, I was not here. And you know this, Carter. Have some empathy. You, I know you, you're going to doil it. I have a little out. bit of empathy for you. Yeah. I was uh, up all night with a sick dog all night. And, um, and yeah, whatever. It's not even yeah, my dog. I've already chastised Carrie with my rational brain. Now I have empathy for her on the show for not sleeping all night and dealing with what she was dealing with performative so it's performative empathy no no it's real empathy. <laughs> real empathy i will be honest with everyone and say it's empathy however you did bring this upon yourself uh but someday you'll learn That's, uh what what can i explain real quick because it, hey it's your show you explain yeah, i I'm, I'm like we'll, we'll get to the topic but this dog that I used to dog sit a lot, um, who's elderly and now incontinent, she had a uh, stroke. The dog had a stroke in, in the summer and her owner asked if I would take her like for good because she's harder to take care of. She's 14 years old and the owner travels a lot. So she's not at home. And anyway, I agreed to take this dog. And so uh it's just become a lot of work and like now she's lost control of her bowels and so it's just and carter has very little empathy because he said i use my emotional reasoning (laughs) you knew at the time you could have easily projected at the time what what taking care of this dog would be like and how it does affect on your life it wasn't rocket science but you (laughs) chose to block that out and feel bad and feel guilty that you needed to take the dog because you felt bad for the owner and bad for the dog and so you did. And now you're getting sleepless nights. So, yeah, uh, well, reality has a way of doing that to you. Yeah. She is a, she's a, yeah, she's a good doggy. She just, she's just, old, she's old and she's lost, you know, she's not completely there either in some ways. So, yeah. Andrew, the dog is near the end of its life. It's like totally, it's the dog's living past the time then the dog would naturally live because of well, the environment. Well, yeah. Also because, uh, being at my house, she gets more exercise and she's on, um, 
weight controlled food. So she's lost a lot. She used to be obese and she's not obese anymore. So I probably extended her life. <laughs> Carlin says in, in all caps, by the way, which is uh, always good. Carlin says, or maybe she's just a good person, Carter. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that Carrie is a good person is offensive. I can't believe that someone would suggest that. <laughs> well, actually, Carter and I have argued about this before. He says I'm a good person. I say I'm not. I don't. I, but that's the technicality because I don't believe in good people and bad people. Oh, that's true. That's true. You, you don't know, even believe, I, you don't believe I you're just, a good person. I just believe we're all capable of both. And sometimes we live in we live more in the good. We're consciously in the good more every day. And sometimes we're more in the evil. And, you know, we make those we make little choices between good and evil all the time, every day. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I get the I get the empathy and I get the I get the sympathy for for dying dogs. But um, I do think that uh, I do think that often we not this isn't about Carrie in particular. I do often think that we as people tend to uh, allow our emotions to override what we rationally know will happen based on the consequences of the action we're about to take, just because we feel like we, that taking the action is, is good. And sometimes actually the long-term consequences, often the long-term consequences are bad, even for the person that we are trying to help in this case, maybe not, <clears throat> but, um, you know, that's all. We don't need to talk about that today though, because okay. that's not important here. I am in California and Carrie is telling me, uh, what's going on with our education system? I guess I'm not paying attention because m my child doesn't go to public schools. But well, boy. actually, a viewer sent this in to me, um, and uh, and I wasn't. I I think I'd seen one news article about it, but not a big deal about it. And so yeah, it was very interesting. So thank you. You know who you are, who sent this. Um, but yeah, you are in California. This affects you. Sort of. And I, I really don't want to be in California for any longer than I absolutely have to be. <laughs> but okay, so California, um, they are developing this model curriculum. So the I guess the governor, governor passed a law that says they need the Department of Education needs to develop the ethnic studies model curriculum. Now, the justification for this is that California is now a majority minority, they call it, right? Um, whites, the, the traditional, I don't even like saying whites, but whatever, non-people of color, the, the traditional majority in the U.S. is a minority in California. So California is, um, I think there's a very large Latina and Latin population, Latino population, uh, Asian population, and uh, to a smaller extent, some African-Americans, but it's largely been the influx of immigrants over the past several decades that have changed the demographics of California. And the justification now is, well, because we are now more, more multicultural as a state, we need to educate the, our, our children about diversity uh, and different cultures. And so the Department of Education is developing this model curriculum. Now, model curriculum is just to be clear, they will argue that, well, it's just a, it's just a, we're just giving an example of what you should do. Um, but most uh, schools just take the example and do the example. They don't, this isn't, you know, this is the kind of thing that get rolled out. Now they, they rolled this out a draft of this, I think in August or something, or sometime, maybe it was July, sometime in the summer, and there was a public review period. There was a lot of pushback on this. 
you'll see why in a minute when we get to it. And um, and now it's being studied. The, the time frame to roll it out has been extended. So I think it doesn't roll out now until 2021. And there's, <laughs> in the spirit of government bureaucracy, there are committees of people studying and... <laughs> Yes. Investigating <laughs> and people getting paid. Of- They're wasting your taxpayer money to yes. yeah. study this. Just to be well, clear, California's in actually I don't know how much debt California's in. It's in a lot here. Let me look it up. How much debt is California in? Well, California Carter, is in one point three trillion dollars of state and local local debt. So you know, this is the while you're thing. looking this up though, wasn't there so you, you might know the update on this, but the LA Times article I was reading about this, mm-hmm. um, which if people want to um, find it, I'll just share the screen real quick. I was shocked that this editorial was in the LA Times, to be honest. Oh, thank you for the ad, LA Times. How do I go? How do I get it? I'm not interested. At the bottom. At the bottom. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm a boomer. <laughs> yeah. Um, editorial. Now, Grandma. <laughs> editorial california's proposed new ethnic studies curriculum is jargon filled and all too pc this is this is an opinion piece in the la times uh from august and as at this time that when they were talking about the bill they were saying a bill is now working its way towards the governor's desk that would do something about that requiring students to take an ethnic studies course for graduation yeah. did yeah, that sorry, pass I, I didn't make that sent i didn't make that clear it's a requirement yeah did that pass? Do you know? Is it a requirement? Oh yeah, I think uh, I think they're required. I'm not totally sure, but I think yeah, I think they're required. But they have a certain amount of time to figure out what the curriculum is. Oh, I see. Okay, so, so it's, it's required, not and it's replacing a semester of geography. <laughs> yeah, which this article's like that's a good thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't really care to understand where what countries we're bombing every Tuesday. <laughs> geography is not important. Uh, who cares where? Bomastan is this week, but uh, I guess we do care about ethnic studies. So, so yeah, so they um, there was pushback, and we're going to go through why why there was pushback. Um, but I, in reviewing this, I did not look. I did not read this entire document. So the the, the document itself is well. There's 26 pages, and then there's 300 page sample course. And then there's a glossary that's 22 pages. So I did not read all of these. I skimmed them um, for this. But the uh, the one high-level thing I kind of want to say is, uh, and this kind of relates, I, this is kind of related to something we talked about yesterday. Remember yesterday they were talking, they were using the word harmful, Carrie? They were yes. saying like, oh, this, is, this content is harmful or whatever. When you hear words like that, they're often adjectives. Um, they're kind of floating out in the ether unattached to the noun that they're supposed to modify. <clears throat> Have you noticed that? There's, there's a reason that grammar matters. Um, and this, I don't want to get geeky here, but when you say something's harmful, things aren't harmful or not harmful. They're harmful to something or someone or not harmful to something. Oh, harmful is an yeah. that has relation to another thing. Yeah, if that's a good you point. Don't have that thing, and you just use the adjective. Um, that's a red flag that there's some dangerous um, indoctrination happening because they're not stating who it's harmful to, and it allows you to use equiv- it allows you to equivocate all the time, 
It allows you to call anything harmful, anything not harmful, because it's detached from the noun that it's supposed to modify, right? And I, I know this is not totally related, but when I when I look at this ethnic studies thing and, you know, I read that article and it's like, oh, this is good, this is good, or this is progress, or this is, um, this is harmful or, or problematic. Like those things need to be attached. When you see words like that, they need to be attached to something harmful to whom, right? Um, so, or when they say this is good, this is good for students, like all students, which students is it good for? Um, or, you know, whatever. So anyway, the other thing I, that struck me as reading, when I was reading this is, um, they position this as ethnic studies. So it's ethnic studies and they position this as just a simple studying of different cultures. And that makes it very hard to push again, push back against because you sound like a xenophobic, uh, you know, bigot by being like, I don't want to study them other cultures, right? Like that's, <laughs> like, you sound bad because they make it sound like you're just, we're just studying other cultures. Right? Well, see, that's how they that's how they get a lot of this up in the schools because it's it's all part of the SJW ideology, but they bring it in in different ways. For example, we've talked about before how uh, they bring in the uh, their gender the the gender ideology, you know, um, gender identity versus gender expression versus your gender and your sex, and they bring it. Sex is a social construct now, and there's an unlimited number of genders, and they bring that stuff in. Uh, in bullying, in courses about bullying, in 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 you know uh, curriculum about uh, inclusion, and and so it, it, it's it are they always bring it in in something that sounds good. I mean that's that's a smart thing to do. It's like and then yeah, why but, oppose that right? I don't want to oppose inclusion. <laughs> right, and and I don't want to oppose like not learning about other cultures. However, I right. I rec I realized something, and maybe everyone else, maybe this is obvious to you and everyone else, but it was something that um, really clicked for me reading this document was it's not about, they call it ethnic studies, but it's not ethnic studies. It's studying ethnicities with the underlying assumption that they are press, oppressed and it's studying them in the context of resistance to Western civilization. It's not simply studying ethnicities. It's, just, it's not like, oh, here's the history of, let's just pick on Chinese because there's lots of Chinese immigrants in the US right? It's not, here's the history of China. Here's, you know, things that have happened throughout Chinese history. And here's, uh, and here's, you know, great thinkers of China. And here's some wars. And here's some things that happened in China and cultural norms in China and how Chinese families are different from, you know, other family, whatever. Here's some things unique to Chinese culture. That's fine. It's, here's how Chinese are oppressed by the patriarchal hegemony of white civilization, like the rest of quote, quote, Western civilization. Here's the, here's the experience of being oppressed because you're Chinese. It's all about, it's all about the oppression Olympics, the context of all of this. It's not just studying the ethnicity. It's studying the dynamic between the ethnicity and Western civilization in a way that always paints Western civilization in a negative light. That's the entire thing. There is no just studying the, the ethnicity. Um, and I think that's very important. Yeah, I, I'd like to um, read from, if you don't mind, just because I think they state it very well, this LA Times piece, just a little bit. Sure, yeah. Um, because this, again, this is the LA Times. And this is a, a left uh, 
paper. It's a paper. These on the are left, people so. who want to study. Uh, right. They want to study this. They think the idea think, is good. Yeah. Earlier in, like Carter said earlier in the piece, they said this is good that it's going to be required. Right. So uh, it says, but a current draft of the model. Well, actually, let's back up. Okay. Um, the goal of the new course is to help students learn about and engage with the history and culture of groups that have been overlooked, marginalized, or subjected to, quote, invisibility. But a current draft of the model curriculum drawn up by a committee of teachers and academics and headed to the State Board of Education is an impenetrable melange of academic jargon and politically correct pronouncements. It's hard to wade through all the references to herstory, that's H-X-R, S-T-O-R-Y, and women, that's W-O-M-X-N, and massage noir, which is the word we've talked about here. That's an SJW word. It means uh, specifically misogyny against black women. Massage noir and cis heteropatriarchy. Our old friend cis heteropatriarchy. Good so old heteropatriarchy. So Not they're alone. using all the SJW jargon, and even the LA Times editorialist can see that. Um, and then I just want to read this one last paragraph. We have no objection to a course that brought in students thinking about race and gender and sexuality and history and power. Okay, this, this, they're already further uh, further along in improving this than, than I and in agreeing with this than I am or supporting this than I am. But, uh, but too often the proposed ethnic studies curriculum feels like an exercise in groupthink designed to proselytize and uh, inculcate more than to inform and open minds. It talks about critical thinking, but usually offers one side and one side only. Well, that's what SJ, that's what indoctrination is. Right. It's, this is what you must think. And, and we've talked about this before. They used um, like the term critical theory and, you know, critical, but they're, they don't think critically. They don't. They tell you what to think. They don't tell you how to think. It's not critical thinking. It's critical theory. Those are two vastly, those are opposites. Right. <laughs> You're right. Okay. Thanks for letting me read that part. Cause I thought, I thought that was just very well stated about. Yeah, no, no. And, and, and actually Carrie, um, another thing that bothered me was one of the other pushbacks, which, which was a valid one is, um, a Jewish student pushed back, pushed back that this, uh, proposed, uh, model curriculum was anti- Jewish because it was like pro uh, the Palestinian BDS movement and um, didn't really mention the Holocaust and whatever. And, you know, that kind of pushback is exactly what this ideology is designed to elicit. It's like, hey, we're all in groups. Hey, my group wasn't my group wasn't represented enough. So now like, it's it's like totally predictable that someone looks at it and says, oh, my minority group wasn't represented properly. And now it's just going to be fighting about which, you know, whose minority group is represented well enough or is is covered properly. So anyway, I went to find this. Oddly enough, it is no longer on the California Department of Education website anywhere that I can find. Um the curriculum itself. There's like an FAQ and a timeline and public comments, but not the curriculum itself. I did find it and I'm just going to, I'll just pull it up and we can, we can talk about it here. Uh, let's see. Hopefully this works. Okay. So here is, here is the kind of overview of the curriculum. It's annoying because it's got these numbers. They, they've numbered each paragraph, like it's the Bible. <laughs> I don't know if this is what governments do generally, but there we go. We've got we've got a verse number. So you can quote chapter four, verse 10 of the indoctrination uh, curriculum. So 
So, okay, so they have a why teach ethnic studies thing. And I just highlighted some things as I started to go through this, but um, you can see, Carrie, you'll, you'll notice this right away. They're, they start to use a lot of intersectional social justice uh, language directly from your old ideology. So they talk about um, <laughs> it is the cross-disciplinary loving and critical praxis of holistic humanity. This is like, I, I love this word salad thing as educational and racial justice. Okay. So they're racial justice. It's the study of intersectional and ancestral roots, coloniality, hegemony, and a dignified world where many words, worlds fit present for present and future generations. So they're using language right at, you know, this is the first page they're using intersectional language. Um, they're focused on power. The field critically grapples with the various power structures and forms of oppression, including but unlimited to white supremacy, race and racism, sexism, classism, homophobia, Islamophobia, blah, 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 blah. See, uh, right up like at the resume top. For working at Vox. Yeah, this is your resume for Vox. You're, that's hilarious. You know, right up at the top, they're telling you what ideology this is that they're going to be indoctrinating your children in, which is, we've talked about this before, for anyone new to the program, when people ask you what SJW ideology is, I mean, we're getting better at defining it succinctly, I think, but it's a, it's a way of looking at the world where you say the, the, the correct way of looking at the world is as a power struggle between groups. And those groups are identity groups, what race you are, what sex you are, what religion, um, what sexuality. And so right up at the top, they're telling you all these things that we've been talking about with SJW belief system, power is immensely important to them. That's the thing they crave. That's the thing they worship. When they die, they say rest in power about other SJWs, not rest Absolutely. in peace. Yeah, but it's power, uh -huh. oppression, all these words, boom, boom, boom. Like they're hitting them at the top. Yeah, uh, and this this word hegemony, um, I've been thinking about it because it's used it's used basically to describe what what they what they mean when they say hegemony is. Hey, it's the it's the Western world that has kind of dominated, um, and it's a it's a one culture rule of the planet. Kind of, uh, they I guess they kind of ignore China, but um, they they kind of view it as like, the, you know, it's the it's the that's their white cis heteronormative world is the is the is the hegemony, um, and I realized, let's say you're in a let's say you're in a world in which one particular culture starts to dominate over the period of a few hundred years. Let's just pretend that happens. Um, and that, that particular culture, uh, the, um, there, a lot of inventions come out of that culture. The, 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 um, wealth explodes, the life expectancy explodes in that population. The, um, <clears throat> the standard of living goes up dramatically compared to everyone else. Uh, it, it turns out to be just a wildly successful uh, culture for some reason, right? It doesn't matter what the reason is. It seems like the healthy, moral, rational reaction to that, if you're not part of that culture in some way, um, although I think these people sometimes feel like they're not part of the culture when they, they are, when that culture considers them part of the culture, but they've decided to separate themselves and say they're not part of that culture. Um, the rational reaction, the, the, healthy reaction, the moral reaction would be to look at that culture and say, okay, well, there may be problems with some of that culture, certainly condemn evils that that culture has done. 
but also look at it and say, well, what can we learn? What has worked for that culture really well? And how can we spread those ideas universally to other cultures? Because wow, whatever they're doing, there's some things that are really working well here for the humans in this culture. It's working really well. And you would look in this fictional universe, you would look at that culture and say, what kind of political system, what kind of philosophy, what kind of ideology, like, what are they doing that's working really well? Can we spread that to other cultures? Can we adopt that? The immoral, uh, I think, unhealthy reaction is to look at that culture and say, well, this culture has done well. How can we fight back? <laughs> How can we fight back on this damn culture that seems to be winning so much? It's that culture, it must be only winning because it's bad and we're just going to fight back on it and we're going to convince everyone that that culture is evil and you should pay no attention to it and we should fight back and raise up all the cultures that haven't been doing as well for some reason. Um, that is the opposite of the right way to look at this and it's exactly what the social justice movement, it's how they treat Western civilization. The right way to look at Western civilization is, wow, some bad things. Slavery is an obvious glaring example. Can condemn them for that. But some really great things. The right thing to do is like, hey, what are those really great things? How can we do them elsewhere in the world? How do those really great things work? And how can we adopt them, add to that, contribute to them, and move forward from those really great things and, and bring them to everyone and, and make them better? But that's not what they're doing. They're saying, how can we fight those really great things by labeling them as tools of oppression and telling everyone that all these things need to be torn down? That's what ethnic studies is in a nutshell. Sorry, that was a rant, but I needed to say it. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, uh, let's put this back up. So this is more of the overview doc. <clears throat> So again, Carrie, you like the uh, you like the the history and the women's spelling. <laughs> so they say it out as such. It can grow its original language to serve these needs with powerful respellings of terms, including history as her story and women as women connecting with a gender and sexuality lens, along with the socioeconomic lens. So uh, again, intersections. The word intersection is used quite a lot because this is intersectional. Uh, this is intersectional theory. The reason that they redefine terms and they come up with new words is to control people. And we've talked about this before, but language is very important in controlling the way that people think. And so there, I, th this is amazing to me that they're so blatant about it. Again, so high, so early into this document, they're spitting out, they might as well be playing the SJW bingo that we created. You know, they're spitting out oh. all of the jargon. They're spitting yeah. out the lexicon and they're just telling you, you know, they're also saying we're going to be creating new words and you guys may not know these words and we've included a glossary. Um, why there's a good Orwell quote. I'm, I, I'm blanking on right now, but it's about, it's about the control of people through language. And I think it's applicable. I think everything that we're seeing right now is kind of, you know, whether it's the stuff we were talking about yesterday or this stuff, it's all kind of related to um, we're seeing that intersection of that, that image that you posted, uh, the Venn diagram, Carter, of Brave New World and yes. 
54 in Fahrenheit 451. It says you are living right here at the at the intersection, by the way. <laughs> You're living right yeah. here at the middle of the Venn diagram. Yeah, yeah, we really, we really are. Um and, I should you say, know, by the way, Alan is in the comments. Alan is the one who sent this to me originally. Oh, and, Alan. Yeah, and thank you, Alan. And he says um that <clears throat> Hegemony in reference to culture comes from Antonio Gramsci, a founder of the Italian Communist Party. I, I didn't know that. And I know, I know nothing about that, actually. So I didn't know that. But of course, you. it did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that either. Um, you know, the other thing is a lot of times people carry are like, oh, this stuff is just. Um, they view what stuff that happens in university as like, oh, that's just universities. It's kind of it's in the university and it kind of just stays there. And, um, you know, we've talked about before how that ends up in mainstream culture. It doesn't just stay at universities, but, uh, it also gets used by governments to, as, as models, as templates for how to move this stuff down into, you know, lower education. Right. Um, and so, in this document, I, I don't see the reference right now, but there's lots of references to, I don't see the one I was looking for, but there's references to like, this is how it's done at UC Berkeley. This is, you know, there's all the citations are all San Francisco State University, UC Berkeley. This is all that kind of stuff. In fact, um, one of the criticisms from that, there was that LA Times article that you referenced that criticized the jargon here, right? Right. And the reaction was from a professor of ethnic studies who's like, well, chemistry gets to have its own jargon and physics gets to have its own jargon. This is just this <laughs> part of learning. You know, you need to learn. These are, this is part of the field. We have a rich history of academic uh, study here and decades of, of this very important scholarly study. So when you let thing, when you, when you don't fight people using the patina of academic credulity to do this nonsense eventually they use those credentials to convince other people that what they're talking about is legitimate and that's exactly that's exactly so how would you explain to someone what the difference is let's let's address that professor the difference between chemistry and um sjw like grievance studies <laughs> like like sure. address the difference here because um, there's, I see a very stark difference between, um, a term like gravity, which describes a, a phenomenon that you, it is, a, I mean, well, it's observable if you drop something, but it's also, uh, something that can be tested. I see, I see a really big difference between that and then using a word like white privilege, which is not something that that can, it's, it's not based on a scientific study. It's based on one woman writing uh, an opinion piece about her personal, about her personal opinions about her experience in life. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, so I don't think there's a fundamental difference between the words that can be teased out other than through the methods, right? So, which is kind of what you're saying here, right? It's in the one hand, in, in chemistry or physics, um, the the underlying study is scientific and based on reproducibility and um it's it follows a scientific method and concepts arise because they clarify 
um, and and they're kind of necessary clarifications or or more accurate descriptions of things. But in the ethnic studies and other grievance studies groups, uh, none of the process by which the jargon was obtained is scientific. So, um, you know, the difference between a term like quantum entanglement and lived experience is that quantum entanglement arose from valid scientific study and lived experience arose from, I don't know, probably Kimberly Crenshaw or someone like just describing like, oh, I've, I have a different epistemology. I like, let's not talk about science. Let's just do lived experience. Like it, these things are right fragility or, or Peggy McIntosh's knapsack, which you referenced, right? It's just an article. It's just an essay about someone's experience. You know, the, the Terms like quantum entanglement didn't arise from and their biased iceberg, like, on their experience. Oh yeah, I just what? And their biased opinion on their experience. Right, right. But right. like Heisenberg didn't just I don't know who invented quantum entanglement. I'm guessing Heisenberg or someone, but or Schrodinger or someone, I don't know. Heisenberg didn't just like, well, I've been contemplating my life as a scientist and I was thinking about <laughs> quantum mechanics, <laughs> and I decided that quantum entanglement or yeah, entanglement is a a valid term here to describe how I feel about this and how particles are oppressed. Like it's, it's a completely different method, right? There was a phenomenon observed. It was measurable. It was done scientifically. And then it was named because we needed a name to describe it, which is not what Peggy McIntosh does um, or anyone else in the grievance studies department. So it's also the, the other, one other difference is that I would say um, so, so the difference is science is the methodology, but yeah. it's also the difference is, is what they're pursuing because science is supposed to be in pursuit of truth. Now it's not always because it gets corrupted by ideology, but, um, it's supposed to be in pursuit of truth. And this ideology is, is not, this ideology is in pursuit of power. Yeah. I, I kind of think those two things are related. Um, but yes. Because it's not in pursuit. So because this ide ideology is not in pursuit of truth, they need to reject the epistemology that goes along with truth, right? They, they have to reject the scientific method because it's not a vehicle that will drive them to their destination because <laughs> it only drives them to truth. So right. they need to find <laughs> another vehicle. <laughs> and, and like, so they need to hop off of the scientific method, rational epistemology and hop on to some other epistemology that will drive them where they want to go. They're getting, oh. they're getting off the truth train and they're getting in the SJW SUV. Right. Because the moment <laughs> that they, the moment that they say, you're right. Um, you're right. We should strive to be logical, rational, have, um, you know, we should, we should follow the scientific method. We should have falsifiable assertions. Uh, we should test and see if we can replicate we, we should we should absolutely follow the scientific method and use logic and reason as our standard. The minute that they do that, the game is lost. Um, so, and, and their goal, as you've said, is power. So they figured out what epistemology can get us, you know, to power, the city of power. What train goes to the city of power? It's not science. That goes to the city of truth. So they hopped on a different train. And as someone just said in chat, they went from science to religion. Yeah, it's it's a form of religion. It's not Christianity. It's not Islam. It's not Zoroastrianism. It's a particular type of uh, it's a particular type of religion. But yeah, they either hop off the train 
of truth or they try and uh, take control of it and steer it somewhere else. <laughs> like they did, they do definitely try to, I would say that's like, that, that's them corrupting it. You know, they try to, they but I don't, I don't think they fundamentally, they don't use it. I kind of view them as like, they're on a different vehicle and they're bombing the truth, but they're bombing the epistemology because they have, they, they said like, oh, that epistemology doesn't work. That's not valid. I'm over here on this thing. And then, so then they attack the train that actually leads to truth. And they're like, hey, logic is a tool of white oppression and blah, blah, blah. Like they start attacking the very method by which you get to truth. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. So I think they pretend to use it sometimes. I think they're, you know, they, they know that they need to use the amount, the metaphor will break down on trains eventually because it, you know, they, they pretend to use logic and reason at some point because people expect it. It's hard oh, to, you yeah. know, they absolutely, feeling, but, you know, well, that's what this, this professor comparing it to chemistry is doing. They're trying to say, this is the same thing. We're doing right. the same thing. No, you're not. Right. We're doing the same thing as chemistry. In fact, and I will go so far as to say this, and I mean this universally about every non-physical science, you're not the same. Even if you're a legitimate non-physical science, you're not the same as physical science. It's like, you're not. We don't have a scientific understanding of, of human psychology enough for any soft field to be anywhere anywhere like physics or chemistry or engineering, like none of those. You're nowhere, even if you're doing something completely legitimate, you're nowhere near like chemistry or physics. You're, you're, you're nowhere near. And, and I would, like, fields like psychology are maybe trying to get there. Um, and some of those people are trying to, to operate within the, the bounds of rational uh, epistemology, but, most, but, but not everyone in psychology, but some of them are. And maybe someday fields like psychology will get there. But if you're not in a hard science, you can't compare what you're doing in academic study to what the hard sciences are doing. You can't, it's not the same thing. Doesn't mean it doesn't have value. But it's not the same thing. All right. By the way, this is related to what we talked about the other day, Carrie. Uh, they conflate peer review with the scientific method, which is not the same thing. Yes, they do. <clears throat> right. The scientific method is not peer review. It's not peer review that makes science. Um, but they just act like, well, if we get our buddies together in the Journal of Gender Studies and they peer review our paper, that makes it as legitimate as uh, a, a hard sciences paper that's been peer reviewed. And, and peer review is a tool that the hard sciences use to try and make sure that the scientific method is being followed, but it's not a sufficient tool. Um, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't replace, it's not a, it's in no way sufficient. It's like, it's the guard in the jail, but there's no, if there's no jail, the guards are kind of useless. All right. Where are we? Okay. <sighs> so we're still, sorry, we're still at the very beginning of this document. <clears throat> so, um, well, we can skip to some fun stuff, Carrie. Uh, actually, wait, I'll do this one before we, before I search for the, this word I was about to search for, which everyone can see. Um, they, they talk about this in terms of actually reparations. So let me just read this part. In education, I'm going to read this whole paragraph, bear with me. In education, what is often called the achievement gap between students of different racial backgrounds is recontextualized by ethnic studies as the opportunity gap. So re recontextualized is like uh, an interesting word to use. We just redefined it. 
as the opportunity gap and or what Gloria Billings framed as the education debt in her 2006 presidential address to the American Education Research Association. The debt refers to what students of color in the United States are owed after centuries of educational trauma, dehumanization, and enforced socio-political, cultural, historical, economic, and moral constraints via the educational system. As a field catalyzed by righteous angst for justice and access to knowledge, rather than merely closing a gap, ethnic studies intentionally works toward helping pay this education debt. So they're, they're saying you're in debt, we're in debt somehow. The rest of the society is in debt to these people. Students are asked to achieve academic success. Notice achieve academic success is in quotes. So they don't really mean it. That's what that means. In a humanizing and critically conscious way, while demanding the education system, reconsider what constitutes the parameters of success. So they don't even like the parameters of success as currently defined. Well, this, this goes hand in hand with what we saw in the New York public schools the parameters of success. They don't want to judge things based on merit anymore. Yes. And, yeah. and, and, and I want to make a point about this too here because California in particular, but this holds true for everywhere. I would argue against this regardless, but let's say I accept part of this premise. You could make an argument that slaves who were taken from Africa against their will to the United States, forced into conscription or slavery, um, and then mistreated, um, you could argue that that they have, that the, the descendants of those people have um, kind of a, a history of um, oppression against their will and that there's something owed to them. Now, I don't think there's something owed to them because I'm an individualist, so I don't think you are responsible for the sins of your father. But you could try and make that argument if you want to make that argument. In California, the minorities that we're talking about, and I'm using minorities in quotes again because they're not a minority of the population, the minorities that we're talking about, by and large, immigrated here either legally or illegally voluntarily. These are people who have come here voluntarily to come here voluntarily and then demand that there's an, and then say that there's some sort of oppression that's been happening to you. These people don't get the historical oppression award. Blacks who are descendants from slavery can try and make the historical oppression argument. People who immigrate here don't get to make that argument. You don't get to make the historically oppressed, oppressed argument. You haven't been here. You came here voluntarily because you think it's better than wherever you've been. You don't get to make, you don't get to lump yourself in with blacks who were taken here against their will two centuries ago. Well, what they would say is that, um, you know, that the, I know exactly what they would say. The white colonizers pushed them out and that this used to be Mexico, you know, it would be, and that's why they're oppressed. That would be the basis of, it's not very- They lost a war several hundred years ago? Yeah. Well, but that's true. That um, That is true for everyone everywhere, basically, right? I mean, they whoever claims that they were in Mexico first or Texas first, they were also, likely they obtained that land through pushing someone else out. That's how land's been obtained throughout human history. So 
you know, we already know a lot of the native populations were, were warring often. So anyway, this idea that we rewind history, if you'll notice, this is all just anti-white. This is what really pisses off, pisses me off. It's, it's all anti-Western civilization and specifically white whiteness, which wasn't even a thing until they brought up whiteness. No one ever considered themselves They white. conflate the two, which is weird because that's what white supremacists do also. Right, right. <laughs> but now they're like creating this thing called whiteness somehow, which uh, wasn't really part of anyone's identity. Um, okay, I have right, about, so, just so you know, I have about half an hour left. So let's, all right, well, let's, let's, let's keep moving. I'm going to look at this next thing then, um, just to give you an example. So by the way, Carrie, History and analysis of oppression and power. It's all oppression and power, right? <clears throat> but let me look down here. I think it's in the 300s. Hold on. Da, 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 da. Somebody in the chat, by the way, was asking what is history with, it's like herstory, but with an X, which is a word they're using in this document. And they believe we should be teaching children. Um, and Alan was kind enough to point out that uh, this is a word they created because they felt like it's more inclusive than the, the herstory which is the feminist rewrite of history. Yes. That that history, or I don't even know how you say that with an X in it, uh, is a is a, a queer version of history, queer feminist version of history. <laughs> I just this mangling of language is just amazing. But yeah, well, uh, this because we've really we're forgetting about that all of the critical contributions of the trans community for the past few millennia. And we really need to, we really need to consider that. Okay. Just as an idea of where they're coming from, let's just read this little segment here. Ethnic studies courses, teaching and learning will, bup, 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 bup. let's go down to number four, critique empire and its relationship to white supremacy, racism, patriarchy, cis heteropatriarchy, capitalism, ableism, anthropocentrism, <laughs> which by the way is like liking humans let's just make that clear and other forms of power and oppression at the intersection of our society <laughs> that is that is exactly what that is that's really funny that they put that in there right so so to be clear <laughs> forms of power and oppression are capitalism so there's defining capitalism it's a form of power and oppression really anthropocentrism anthropocentrism so Human first thinking is a form of power and oppression. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they think non-humans need to go through school and be like, I don't know what, I don't know what their thought process is here. But again, you can ask with, with terms of like oppression, who is being oppressed, right? What are they talking about? If they're going to list anthropocentrism as a tool of power and oppression, you need to ask yourself, who does that oppress? I, the answer is non-humans. That's the only possible answer to that. Um, ableism. This, this is where this is where uh, PETA has made some inroads because the animal activists have been trying. So so because this ideology has become so mainstream and so prominent in the past five years or so, you see all these other the different communities. If they can glom on, and if they can become recognized as as being part of this binary of marginalized versus privileged, you know, oppressed versus oppressor, then, th then they're good, then they're golden because then all of their allies and these other groups are supposed to step up for them and protect them and help them get power, right? So you see this in um, 
with pedophiles because pedophiles are currently trying to use all of this language, trying to use this ideology to say that they're an oppressed and marginalized group and that yep. they are minor attracted persons and um, and and because they're marginalized that they should be protected. And so they haven't been successful yet, although who knows, they might be in the future. They're trying. Uh, a group that was successful in getting incorporated into it, of course, we, you know, um, it's it's currently here here are the, the main groups that are have been brought in right into this ideology race is one of these binaries they talk about you're either privileged or you're not uh sex is one of the binaries they talk about you're privileged or you're not sexuality um fat fat is one that's been successfully incorporated now so I'm your size that's not in here yeah i'm surprised that's not in there because that one has been successfully incorporated and they they do uh pretty much the whole ideology now it agrees that if you're fat, you're marginalized and oppressed. And if you're not, you're an oppressor and you're privileged. Um, but but so this one is interesting. I, I, I say all this as background to get to the point about animals. PETA, much like the pedophiles, <laughs> what a weird sentence. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> PETA. PETA. Like the pedophiles. <laughs> the list PETA. of things Carrie never thought she would say. Yes. Anyway, PETA, much like pedophiles, haven't made a lot of headway in getting incorporated. They, they, what they would love to do is see animals. So any any animal not that's non-human uh, uh, listed as a accepted as a marginalized and oppressed group, and humans as the oppressor and the uh, privileged group. But they haven't made they, much like the pedophiles. They haven't made a lot of headway yet. So that's why this is really fascinating to me because I guess they've made headway in California. It you got know, California. You know that there was some vegan PETA lobbyist wearing leather sandals, uh, <laughs> arguing, like making her case. You really need to include anthropocentrism. It's a big thing. It's really important. You knew she was making her case for that word. Uh, yes. and, and apparently she was more compelling than the minor attracted pedophile who was... <laughs> <laughs> um, real quick, someone in the comments, who was it, Jay... Jay said, uh, we need some science to explain this, but he spelled science. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> with an X, S, X, I, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, that's, uh, someone also said, don't jinx it. And I, I I'm with, actually it was a bit of this. He said, don't jinx it. It's already jinxed, man. They're already doing, there's already like, oh, in fact, I think it's in one of these documents. I can maybe find it. Um, there is, there's a list of ways to incorporate this into other subjects. Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to find it. Damn it. Where they list some courses, <laughs> they list some courses. Hold on. There's like a math course. While you're looking for it. Uh, it I got it. I got okay. it. Sorry. Okay, cool. Ready? <laughs> this is how to incorporate this, right? Uh, I am an ethnic st statistist, statistic. I'm an ethnic statistic and math and social justice. These are two classes. These are math classes that they suggest you use. So it's already there. This is this is science with an X. I am an ethnic statistic and math and social justice as science, quote, science classes. Math classes. They're calling those math classes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I said science. Wow. Um... So it's already there, man. It's already, epistivist is, is, uh, you're too close to the truth. This is like when we talked about feminist astronomy. Yeah, that was a thing, right? <laughs> astronomy. It's a thing. Um, 
they also just just you know as if it's not obvious enough um they do if you look you look through the document you know their goals <clears throat> help white students become stronger advocates and allies for equality justice and liberation they're citing social justice stuff all over the place it's all about social justice right this is all about you know identities social justice blah 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 there it's very clear this isn't any sort of um this isn't us reading into this and saying, I think there be social justice warriors here. This is like very clearly social justice academics. This is intersectional academics. This is the craziness that on campus that we talk about finding its way into curriculum. And this something like this will pass. I mean, they were pushed back. I my predictions here is they some people push back. They'll include some some stuff to make the Jewish population happy because some some Jewish people were upset they'll they'll trim out some of the the jargon that makes people scared but it will have the same content and this will pass and by 2021 in California if you've got a child in the public education system this will be they will have to they'll have a mandatory requirement for an ethnic studies course to graduate from high school and it will include this crap and if this isn't indoctrination I don't really know if you here's, don't see this as indoctrination, I don't know what movie you're watching. Here's the equivalent. So, because a lot of people who, if you, I know people who subscribe to this ideology who have a hard time seeing it as an ideology. They they can't see it because they're in, it's like a fish not seeing water. What water? Because they live in the water. Right, so, right. So um, it would be the equivalent of so your kids. They're teaching your kids how to view the world. They're not just teaching your kids how to add or subtract or how to read or, you know, they're not teaching them how to, uh, it's not, they're not teaching them about, even just like take history, they're not teaching them about facts that happen in history. They're teaching your kids an ideology, which is that the correct way to look at the world is as this, um, is, is, is as this power struggle between groups and in this collectivist way of looking at things that, that that what, gr what group a person belongs to is supremely important and more important than who they are as an individual. That's what your kids are being taught. And so you know, that they must look at race, that they must see race. This is the exact opposite of what Martin Luther King was talking about, um, that they must see sex and they must see sexuality and they must judge and treat people accordingly. And they're being taught that this is, that this is, um, that they must do this because this is the way to fix the sins of the past, but it's not. This is basically you're doing the same thing. You're just you're just switching some of the you're you're switching out the groups. That's all it is. It's still like it's a worship of power. It's racist. It's sexist. It's all of those things. But I think it's a flawed ideology. And even if you even if you don't think it's a flawed ideology, even if it's your belief system, how would you like it if the public schools were teaching your kid the Christian ideology? Or uh, the Muslim ideal, whatever. If, what, what if your kid was going to school and they were being taught that the best way to look at the world is this other way? <laughs> right. What if Dennis Prager was writing this document? <clears throat> How would you feel? Right. Yeah. Um, by the way, thank shout out to Shungu, who I'm told I'm pronouncing that right. And if I'm not, please give me some phonetics. Uh, but uh, he just uh, he just super chatted us. Thanks, man. Oh, thank you, Shungu. That's awesome. Some someday Carrie will not have a job other than here. Um, but now, you know, Carrie, it's I think it's worse than a, just a reversal, because if this was just a reversal of of racism, right, 
you would see you would see you wouldn't see tearing down of the ideas that are universal you wouldn't see tearing down of of capitalism and logic and reason and scientific you wouldn't scientific method you wouldn't see tearing down of that so much you would just see like oh uh whites are inferior because of blah 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 and but we're going to kind of keep moving forward with these other things in society that are working really well it's it's a it's a tearing down not it's it's not only a blatantly racist frankly anti-white um ideology it's also anti the entire system ideology right it's an anti uh, it's an anti-Western civilization. It's anti-free speech, anti-freedom of expression, anti-capitalism, um, and anti-small government, basically, because they all, they want, these, you got to remember, these people are pushing, they want a large, they, they all want a large authoritarian government. That's the, that's the goal here. Um, Jason, Jason just asked, and thank you, Jason, for another super chat. Jason just asked if we had any luck getting Michael Monero. Yes and no. I emailed him. He emailed back. He wants to do the show and then dropped off the face of the earth and stopped answering emails. So uh, I just need to keep following up up with him. If you guys like Michael Monero, uh, I do. He's he's a smart he's a smart kid in college now dealing with some of this stuff. Go tell him to answer my emails and come on the show. Uh, yeah. But he did say yes and then just, you know. Well, that happens. You're used to that. I do that. I yeah, I do that to you. So yeah. what the hell? I do that to you. <laughs> I do that to you. We do that to people all the time. So I don't think it's personal. I just, yeah. No, it's just people get a busy. lot of people are busy. That's all. Yeah, he's in college. Uh, he's so uh, I'll bug him some more, though. Uh, thank you for reminding me, Jason. So um, quickly, I wanted to say, because I saw in the comments that Alan was saying, and Alan, again, is the one who sent me this information. Um, and he was saying that when he first found these documents and read through them, that he had a rather visceral reaction and was depressed for a few days. Um, and I, and I understand that. I get that. Uh, but here's something that makes me not depressed. Alan is Generation Z. Okay. And he cares about this stuff. And he's looking into it. And I think, I think Generation Z, I think there's a lot to be encouraged about. With, um, for, some, for whatever reason, they're starting to see through these attempts to indoctrinate and to tell them how they should think instead of how to think. I think it's largely because of the internet, because they they have access to a lot of information now that um, is outside of the control of the cathedral. So, um, you know, some of that information is kooky, right? Uh, someone someone was upset that I mentioned Owen Benjamin the other day. The truth is, I haven't followed Owen Benjamin for a while. Um, but uh, I don't I don't know what's going on with Owen Benjamin. But I do know that uh, I actually follow. I stopped following Owen Benjamin when. He started talking about flat earth stuff and going to space. And I realized I could no longer distinguish between what was a joke and what wasn't a joke with him. And so I stopped following him. But yeah. um, but regardless of whether he's right, wrong, crazy, or super enlightened, or just super horrible, I, I don't know. He's out there. And there are ways to listen to him and other people. Um, you can You can still find Alex Jones. So... Um, Look, so Jay just gave us a super chat, but I don't know how much money it is because it's not in dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and also, he says, she says Mexri Christmasy, it's got like the X's in the Merry Christmas. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. 
I thought that was yen. Yeah, Epistemus says it's yen. So it's about the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jay. Um, are you wait, Jay? Are you in? Are you in Japan? Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. I the other the other um thing I want to say really quickly uh is Maria asked what the end goal is. What is their end goal? Is there no longer any racism and everything is perfectly equal? Will they remove these policies? So. We've talked about this before, but not recently. Um, they don't. I, okay. Can I answer that or to attempt to? From yes. just anecdotally, from having been in it. Sure. They haven't thought that far. Most of the people who preach it. Now, I know Carter might say something different about the architects of this belief system, but most of the people who are preaching it and are pushing it in schools and stuff, they haven't thought that far. They don't think down the road that far. So that's why they can't answer that question. When you ask them, so at what measurable end goal, you know, will we say, okay, it's enough. We should stop teaching that it's impossible to be racist towards a particular race now, or enough. We should stop teaching kids that it's impossible to be sexist towards men. You know, like, when do we stop doing that? And when do we stop using racist and sexist terms that call out that that indict individuals on the basis of their race and sex when do we stop using terms like toxic masculinity or mansplaining at what point do the do, does it become things are equal enough and how do we measure that they can't answer that and that to me is is it it it's a good question to ask them because for the ones who are or like to think that they are actually engaging in thought and not just repeating tenets a lot of them they're repeating tent they're just repeating the belief system but they think they're a lot, some of them and i used to think i was thinking and so for those it's a good question because it stumps them and maybe it will make them think a little bit deeper about what they believe so that's my answer well i don't disagree in the sense that i think most people in it pushing it uh have not thought it's like I, I agree. I think it's mostly an emotional reaction. But at if we step up at like a higher level and think about it, um, this is ultimately driven by nihilism. This is not a so the best way to even define social justice, I think, involves uh, a negative. It's what social justice is against, not what it's for. <clears throat> so this is how you'll you'll notice like people of color is a term that they've started to use a lot. Why? Because it's it. The only thing it does, it doesn't unite any particular people, right? It doesn't unite the people of color in any way, except in contrast to not people of color, except in, except in contrast of whites. So it's it's specifically all these things that they talk about, uh, cis heteronormative patriarchy, um, you know, white, you know, uh, whiteness and white culture and all like that. It's it's a battle against something. It's ultimately a nihilistic battle and i think it appeals to people who are uh, have nihilistic <clears throat> tendencies or at least uh kind of nihilistic emotionality right they, they have nihilistic feelings and so they they are it's really about destruction they're not about trying to lift people up to to move forward in, in any way they're just about destroying what exists currently um and i think some of them have a more utopia mindset <clears throat> some of them think will you know some of them i think a little bit farther and we'll like well they hate capitalism right we'll we'll get rid of this capitalist system and we'll have this 
pseudo Marxist slash fascist, although they wouldn't call it fascist, you know, strong government that is, you know, they view it as everyone equal. And it's like this, it's the stupid communist ideal basically, but they, they don't call it that. And they have some nuance to it. Right. They imagine that they'll, they'll put that system in place and that they'll be in charge of it or, or involved as elites somehow. Um, but of course, as we've talked about, they'll be killed as soon as they win. Uh, the thug will come in. <laughs> the worst thug will come in. If they're going to make thuggery the standard by which power is obtained, uh, Attila the, con- the Hun will come in and slaughter them all as soon as they pave the way. Uh, and they won't be involved. But they think that they will be. Um, but I think most people, like, I agree with you, Carrie. Most people, I don't think, have an end goal. They haven't thought about the end goal. But I found it very helpful just intellectually to think about them not as being for anything, but just against something. Because that's really... Um, if you look at how they protest, they protest against things. Um, they're, they're very, they, they, they have very little energy that they expend towards doing anything. Most of the energy they expend is towards opposing things. That's okay. Uh, I want to interject here because that is a good distinction. And I noticed that when, um, right before the 2016 election, I, I, I saw, and I'm sure a lot of us witnessed this extreme polarization and hatred happening. And, oh my gosh, look how cute Tiger just put his head on my shoulder. Okay, anyway, uh, Carter, sorry. Um, but but uh, we, I noticed this happening and I noticed that my side, my so-called side was motivated more by being who they were opposed to than by who they were for. I didn't know very many people who were super excited about Clinton I just knew a lot of people who hated Trump and I'm sure it's like that on the right as well. Um, being motivated by who you hate. And I started to think about voting and how I really just want to vote for who I think is the best choice. And where did we get to this place where we vote against things and against people? And so something, you know, now that we do this show and we talk, I talk about my old belief system so much, something I try to do is, Um, make sure that I don't get into a place where I'm just completely opposed to my old ideology and that's it. That's not enough. And I know I have friends who um, are anti-SJW as well, who know what this ideology is, who, who know why it's dangerous and, and who we share that in common that we both find it very important to speak out against this belief system. But, but, but I have, I'm thinking of a one friend in particular who I think that's I think that's all that's what's motivating and animating that particular friend at the moment. And there's nothing to live for. So it's like, if you don't have something that you're living for and you don't have um, ideals and things that you're working towards or things that you support like free speech um, Mm -hmm. or nonviolence, then, then you just get, you can, you can get to that same dark place that SJWs live in because then your whole life just becomes being oppositional to SGW ideology. And how sad, how sad is that? Then the ideology is still controlling you. It's just controlling you as a little automaton who all you do is care about. And I know, I look, I trust me. I know some people view my social media feed as being nothing but a crusade against my old belief system, but that's not the entire, that's not the totality of my life. And it's not even the totality of my online life. And so anyway, I'll just say, I will just caution any of our viewers, especially those who have come over from the left. Like I have just make sure you, you, you like, like I try to do, keep yourself in check and don't become the monster that you're fighting. That can happen on this, this side too. 
you know. I would I would go so far as to say um, that's a fundamental problem I have with conservatism. And I think, well, no, I think it's a fundamental problem conservatism has with itself and with its success is conservatism is really only defined by um, opposing change. Um, they don't really go out. Conservatives don't. This is why I haven't identified as a conservative for a long, long time. Um, maybe when I was in high school, possibly, although whatever. Um, they don't really talk about uh, the vision for, and they don't really push any anything other than kind of the status quo. They push against changing things. But if you look at what a lot of them do, they'll talk about things like, to get elected, they'll talk about things like smaller government or whatever, but they don't actually ever do any of it. Um, and what motivates me is, as crazy as it sounds, I see a world with less government, like more freedom, less interference, a, a culture that's more rugged individualism, like their people are uh, more helping each other out of uh, benevolence and in small communities rather than through the hand of the state. And like, I see a world where your, your tax dollars aren't be wasted, aren't, aren't spent bombing people that you don't know in the Middle East and where you keep most of your paycheck, if not all of it. And like, you're not you're, like, I see a world where all of this is possible. And that's what motivates me. But that's that vision is never really painted by the right. The right never really talks about that. They always just talk about how the left is making things worse and they're ruining things. And they're, they're really about conserving things. They very rarely, they very, 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 very rarely. Sorry about that. They very rarely talk about what they want to do and how they want to yes. make change. Moving what do forward. they stand for? Like, yeah. I want to know what you stand for. I, it's good for me to know what you're against. Don't get me wrong. But you've got to be for something. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard to get motivated by just being against stuff. And I think I think ultimately, you know, we saw that the left was for communism early. Like, they, they used to paint pictures of communist utopia. And it's hard to do that now because we all know 100 million deaths later, I guess some people have figured out that it's not a great idea. Um, and so where it's hard to kind of push that particular narrative. Um, but now we are, I think the left has now been kind of taken over by people who aren't really pushing a utopia at all. They're also just very negative and telling us, you know, they're just trying to tear down Western civilization. I, you know, someone mentioned that there's starting to be some pushback that, that James Bogosian or James Lindsay and Peter Bogosian said that there's been some pushback on this ideology. I don't, I don't doubt that. But I think what's going to happen, just like with the Overton window, this is how change in the U.S. has been happening for the last since it's founded. Right? Things come in fits and starts. So they have there'll be this huge left radical leftist push, which we're in now, where there's just absolute idiocy and craziness happening. There'll be some pushback. They'll make a little progress culturally and in institutions, and then we'll push back because it's too much and people will shut them down and they'll go like, they'll go quiet for a little while and there'll be maybe a little bit of resurgence of the other side slightly but they because the other side really doesn't ever move the ball forward moving to smaller government or changing culture positively that really won't be much and it will be another you know maybe another decade or two that this there'll be another resurgence this is just a keep they're just like surges happen periodically and at some point the surge is going to be enough to break through and actually enact stuff to the point of just destroying everything they want to destroy it might not be this time 
Well, I've also seen um, James Lindsay tweet about, and I agree with him, and, and Jay just said this in the chat, um, and Sharon, I think as well, said it to some degree, is that the danger here is that people are getting sick of it, right? But I think some people are getting sick of it to the point of, like Jay was saying, to where they don't listen to any accusations of racism because it's tossed around so willy-nilly where it means nothing that people just stop caring. And then like, I think there's a danger of, we've talked about this before, them creating this um, movement of white identitarianism that doesn't really exist or hasn't really existed for a long time of them creating that again and it growing. And I do think it's starting to grow. It just, it, but they're, they're bringing it, they're almost manifesting it. They're pushing people over there. And that's scary to me. So I, I think there is a danger also of, I'm, I'm glad a backlash is brewing. I'm just worried about how that backlash might, what form it might take. And I'm worried about, you know, like I'm cool with one kind of backlash. I'm not cool with another kind, right? Like, does that make sense? I don't, I, yeah, I don't think the backlash, I think the whole white supremacist, right supremacist, Nazi fascist backlash thing that the left decries is nowhere near having any power. I don't, just I, oh, I agree with you. I don't think they're near having any power at all. I just, it makes me sad that I think, I think that that ideology though is now attracting people in a way it hasn't in decades. Yeah. And I think there is some, there's also some legitimate um, issues with, uh, I think people are seeing that culturally some more traditional belief systems have value. Um, this is what you're seeing with the rise of Jordan Peterson. Um, you're seeing an appreciation for the kind of more conservative Christian cultural values. And, um, and, you know, just because I think that there shouldn't be laws against certain things doesn't mean that I think those things are good. Right. Uh, there is a difference between what's good for society and culturally and what, what some good cultural norms would be. Uh, there's a difference between that and wanting to enforce them with jackbooted thugs. Right. Well, so it's like when Peterson talked about enforced monogamy and he was using a, a term from biology, meaning socially reinforced monogamy. Right. Socially enforced. Right. And they took that to mean on purpose, they took it out of con and pr purposefully tried to say that he was um, supporting, you know, uh, enforce monogamy at the butt of a gun in the law. <laughs> right. Which is funny because that's the only time I've ever seen the left talk about the fact that laws are enforced at the butt of a gun. <laughs> they seem to forget about that every other time. They don't mention that. That's a, a dirty little secret of laws. But uh, when Jordan Peterson says something they don't like and they take it out of context, well, then it's time. Anyway, um, I know you've got to go, Carrie. These documents, I will... Um, you know what I'll do? I'll just because I'm worried about these documents disappearing. Uh, I'll put I'll put them up on unsafe space, and I will later in the show notes put a link to where they are on unsafe. They'll be hidden link on unsafe space, but I'll put them on our domain just so that they exist because they're not on the California State uh, uh, Department of Education's website anymore, and they're not. Um, they're not super easy to find. So I wonder why that is. Why don't they want transparency anymore? Right. 
right? And there's, by the way, if you get excited about it, you want to look, there's other, some exciting things just to show you the three documents, just so you know. Um, there's the overview, which we were going through. We didn't get very far, right? I highlighted some stuff, some social justice and other stuff in it. Um, there's sample, sample course models you can look through. Um, key sample concepts, uh, you know, that you can look through here. Examples of systems of power, white supremacy, capitalism, and patriarchy, right? These are some key, uh, <coughs> excuse me, course concepts. Um, there's a glossary of terms. <coughs> so you can go through the glossary of terms and, uh, and see how they define things. So all this stuff, you know, it's three different documents. I'll put it all up there. You guys can, can look through it. Let's look at, I didn't look at this one. This is, I'm doing this live. Gender. Western culture has come to view gender as a binary concept. Western culture has come to view gender. <laughs> like, sorry, that was just hilarious. With two rigidly oh, fixed options, men and women. That's crazy. That's crazy. They, they are starting from an assumption. They're forcing you to accept their belief that uh that gender is not binary they're forcing you to believe that that gender and sex is not binary and that this is something that western culture just came up with yeah go to china ask an old person how many genders there are it's not western culture uh anyway hate crime blah 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 so anyway all this stuff will be in there i'll put all this in there um so you guys can can feel free to look through it. Maybe we can do something um, more with it someday. But the battle is kind of raging. I think you can still even comment on this stuff. So I'll I'll also find the information about how to comment on this, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. If anyone wants to do that, uh, that would be great. So I don't know anything else, Carrie. Before you go, um, there's one last comment from. There's two Allens in the chat. The Allen who sent us this topic says anyone interested in the methods for teaching this can look up Paolo Frieres. I don't know how to pronounce that. Critical pedagogy. It's cited in the bibliography and it reads like indoctrination for dogs. Oh, interesting. Thank you, Alan. Um, it looks like Alan actually knows a lot about this. Maybe we should have a chat with Alan. We should. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love it. <laughs> who is this? <laughs> Sorry. Welcome to the chat. I don't think I've seen you before. Uh, it says, when I want truth, I go to some random Chinaman. <laughs> My point was that it wasn't Western culture. China's not a Western culture. Right. Go to China. That was my only point. Uh, I know. I think, I think they're trying to make a joke. The random Chinaman epistemology, I do not endorse, just to be clear. <laughs> uh, that is, but thank you. Thank you, Sign, for, uh, for getting it. Okay. Um, all right, everyone, thank you for watching and um, subscribing. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Um, we... Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for oh, yes. subscribing on Subscribestar. If you're one of our subscribers who donates financially, we really appreciate it. And thank you for sharing the video. And hitting like helps. So hit, hit like if you liked it. Hit like if you liked it. And you can go to Subscribestar and all that stuff. <clears throat> so we will see you for... Kofefi, live Kofefi tomorrow. So, all right. I think that's it. Somebody asked what, what time live Kofefi is. Do we know? It's up to Carrie. So whatever time she said <laughs> next. It'll be, be five right. minutes after whatever time we announce. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Carrie. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Carrie with the self-awareness. All right. Hey, it's a dig at myself. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for your self-knowledge, Carrie. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Um, Appreciate uh, appreciate you, and uh, we will see you 
See you at five minutes past whenever we say tomorrow. <laughs>